All right, Julie. With December finished, I think that gives us 10 shows. 10 ought to do it, don't you think? You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll do one more. This is the Simplistic Reviews Podcast here in review. A collection of all the sketches we've performed on this show in 2020. Starring Matthew Stewart, DJ Valentine, Justin Polizzi, from the Deep Blue Sea podcast and Life vs. Film, G. Cluett. From the mundane adventures of a fangirl, Jeanette Ward. From Miss Cast Entertainment, Greg Cofaro. From the First Time Watchers podcast, Walter Vinci. From the GeekCast Radio Network, Steve Phillips. From the Forgotten Filmcast, Todd Liebenow. And Nicholas Rehack. The first and last sketch of the year have one big thing in common. Star Wars. Here DJ Valentine, fresh off of watching The Rise of Skywalker, channels his inner John Rambo, in bitching about the Star Wars cinematic universe. What's the situation? The movie ended 20 minutes ago, but uh, he won't leave. We think he's got the theater owner hostage. But uh, we're going to wait on the swap before we breach. I'm going in there. What, are you crazy? Probably. DJ, don't do it. Listen to me, DJ. You have no chance. Gonna order the chopper in and fly you back to base. You're just a toxic fan. Hold your fire! Hold your fire! Think about what you're doing, DJ. The theater's perimeter is covered. No exit. There's nearly 200 men out there and a lot of Twitter accounts. You did everything to make this private war happen. You've done enough damage. This movie is over, DJ. You understand me? Look at him out there. Look at them! If you don't end this now, they'll cancel you. Is that what you want? They're all ready to write their think pieces. Their anti-Mary Sue arguments accusing you of being a sexist pig just for pointing out clear flaws of the main character. It's over, DJ. The Skywalker saga is over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! It wasn't my Star Wars! You asked me to watch it! I didn't ask you! And I did what I had to to sit through the prequels, but Lucas made it so fucking bad that I couldn't sit through them. Then, 30 years later, I come back to the franchise and it's run by a mouse who cares more about toys and spin-off films than comprehensive, progressive, natural storytelling. Nobody wanted a solo film. Nobody! It's a bad time for everyone, DJ. It's all in the past now. For you! For me, being a Star Wars fan now is nothing! Back then I had Han Shun first. I know I'm your father. I had the Battle of Hoth. Now I got doors, we're gonna Death Star, clearly blown into atoms, and return the Jedi! Ah! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> my god. I remember going to Star Wars Celebration. Seeing that first trailer for Force Awakens and Han and Chewie They walk on the Falcon and Han says, Chewie were old. I cried in a stranger's arms, we're all crying. And then they killed Han. He fucking pushed him off a bridge with no fucking handrail. 
And then Luke tries to kill his own nephew. Greatest fucking hero in the world. Now reduced to the fucking old murderous guy in the bus stop drinking beer out of a fucking paper bag. Palpatine's back. Palpatine's back. <laughs> Making Anakin sacrifice and return to jail. I irrelevant. Now he's back to uh, what is his plan? Kill Ray, but then make Ray kill him so he can be Ray, but then kill Kylo and Ray to become him. And Ray's his granddaughter now, which makes fucking Kylo or Ben or whatever the fuck. And Ray are quasi related. They're kissing. They're kissing. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. What is he's coming into that? I can't put it out of my mind. <laughs> Have you heard about a show called The Mandalorian? The man what? For this next sketch, we enlisted the help of Walter Vinci to remake a classic scene from The Dark Knight and bring back the use of the word showed. I'm sorry about Rachel Harvey. The doctor says you're in agonizing pain, but you won't accept medication. That you're refusing to accept skin grafts. Remember that name? you all had for me when I was in internal affairs. What was it, Gordon? Harvey. Say it. Say it! Dickless. Harvey Dickless. Why should I hide who I... Wait, no, that that's not what you called me. Trust me, we called you that plenty. No, the other name, the other one! Harvey Butchin? No. Dipshit Dent. No. Chairman Chode. What? You see, a Chode is a person who has a dick that's wider than it is long. You'd be the chairman of that, see? No. Harvey Dent, ass-tickling dick trick attorney? That doesn't even make sense. Ah. Harvey Butchin. You already said that one. Harvey Weinstein? No. Can you give me a hint? Two-Face. Oh, right. Two-Face. To be fair, only like a couple of people called you that. A lot more called you Dickless. You called me Two-Face? That's the name! That's the name I'm using! Two-Face! I'm sorry, Harvey. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Not yet. Yeah, you're right. What? I mean, Harvey, you investigated and suspended like everybody in the department. Guilty, innocent, it didn't matter to you. We all lost our pensions. I'm practically working for minimum wage. And you wonder why everyone's on the take? Well, I... Oh, oh, and then you had a press conference on live television calling yourself the Batman. You'd have been safer walking through the Narrows wearing a sign around your neck that says, Kick my ass for money! Anyway, I gotta go. Joker's threatening to blow up a hospital. I'm sure it's not this one. Good luck with the skin infection, ass face. It's Two-Face. <laughs> the idea for this sketch came from the mind of Matthew Stewart. Mainly because he loves taking pot shots at the House of Mouse. But I mean, who doesn't? There are a lot of surprises coming to Disney Plus in 2020. That's great! 
My kids love Disney Plus. Well, your kids are gonna love our newly released shows and films that never saw the light of day before because they didn't fit the Disney image. Why are you releasing them now? Well, we're a streaming service now, so our image can be a little more flexible. Oh. And because one must use every weapon at their disposal if they wish to succeed in total world domination. Well, that's a, that's a little ominous. Not as ominous as this! He graduated high school, married the love of his life, and had a kid. But now, Corey Matthews has to survive a zombie apocalypse. Ben Savage stars in Boy Meets World, War Z. Mr. Feeney, Mr. Feeney, we need to get out of here and find the pin. Please, put under your arm. No, 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 stay back. Stay back! No! Oh my god. I can't show that to my kids. What are they, a bunch of pussies? What? Never mind. Maybe they'll be more interested in this. Raven Baxter has always had the psychic ability to see into the future. But what if the only way to keep her abilities was to kill, cook, and eat the flesh from her lifelong friends? No power is worth this, Raven. We've gone too far. <laughs> Trust me, Charles, nothing is wrong with us or this delicious food. That's not delicious food, that's Eddie. Tune in this February for That's So Ravenous. You can't do that. How come? The Black History Month launch tested very well. No, 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 no. The Raven being a cannibal thing, it's a, it's a kid's show. Fine, fine. No cannibals. How about this? Zack and Cody have been living the sweet life for a long time. So long, in fact, they decided to open their own hotel, but use it solely as a sexual rendezvous spot for the rich and deviant. It's the orgy life of Zack and Cody. Do not play a clip of that show. What? Every streaming service has to have a little bit of edge to be successful. Do you have any shows that don't contain sex, drugs, or murder that I can show my kids? I mean, what, what, what about Mickey Mouse? Anything from Mickey? Funny you say that. Mickey Mouse himself performs live for his first ever comedy special at the Apollo. You think Harvey Weinstein was bad? You ain't saying shit. I own Miramax. That fat motherfucker reported to me. You actually think those were white polka dots on Minnie's dress? I called her Minnie Lewinsky. Cause that hoe was a Minnie Lewinsky. You know what? I, I think I'll just take my business uh, over to HBO Max. You mean Disney's HBO Max? What? We bought it. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Netflix. You mean Disflix? Wait. That's right. We bought it. That's a monopoly. You mean Dizopoly? Oh no. That's right. The board game you played with your grandparents when you were nine and the legal term itself. We bought it. You're, you're pure evil. Yup. Disney Plus in 2020. what do you think the plus stood for, you idiots? We're adding shit. When the pandemic took hold in March, DJ Valentine found himself stuck at home, watching a lot of documentaries on Amazon Prime. That spawned the idea for perhaps our biggest sketch of the year. It was our first two-part sketch and may have even more parts coming next year. We enlisted a virtual all-star team of voice actors, to help us bring it to life.
The Big Apple has had a storied history with organised crime, but there is one story that is yet to be told. On an eight-block section of Manhattan, New York, lived some of the most infamous figures in the tri-state area. Now to your news. One of the bosses of New York's notorious crime family has been murdered. This is the character who would tell you the truth about Sesame Street, you know, his death. And what Sesame Street did. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Tom Brokaw, NBC News in New York. And witnesses describe seeing a blue suspect fleeing the scene. They had their furry fingers and everything. Storefronts, restaurants, apartment complexes, the school system. You couldn't get two feet on Sesame Street without running into these guys. You want to know how they took over the neighborhood? These are creatures covered in fur and or feathers ranging from 3 to 10 feet tall. Nobody knew how they even existed, let alone how to stop them. No, 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 no. This wasn't a takeover. This was allowed to happen. The people allowed this to happen. Who do you think the biggest contributor to Sesame Street Syndicate is, huh? Hollywood? Russian oligarchs? No. PBS. The Public Broadcasting Service. Hmm? The Sesame Street Syndicate was headed by five creatures. The Muscle, Cookie Monster. You know what, Cookie Monster? Why don't you just eat me? How about that? Hey, we give it try. Hey, every night, Saturday night with Cookie Monster. No, wait, wait, wait what you doing? The Money Man, known only as the Count. The wild card, Grover. Yeah, it's me, Grover. The blue one? No, the other blue one. The heir apparent, Elmo. Elmo, no, I'm going to repeat himself. <coughs> Where's Elmo's money? And above them all, the boss of bosses, Big Bird. To sunny days and sweeping the clouds away. Salud. Big Bird was put in charge because he had vision. He knew there were 74 million kids across the country, most of whom didn't even know how to spell. There was serious money to be made. To enforce the will of the Sesame Street Syndicate were notorious buttonmen, Bert and Ernie. Grab his legs, Annie. Okay, Bert. If you get blood on me again, I swear to God. We, we all heard the rumors. No one knew the relationship between Bert and Ernie. Uh, no one wanted to know. You get caught in that outfit asking too many questions, you end up face down in the bathtub with a rubber ducky shoved down your throat. The world couldn't get enough of these guys. Hell, celebrities treat them like celebrities. They'd even come down here and dance and sing with them. From Joey Fatone to the President of the United States. Yeah, Joey Fatone. With the backing of the public and the dependency of children around the world, there was no one who could topple Sesame Street Syndicate. The only way it could fall would be if it were taken down from within. Stay tuned for the rest of the story in the Sesame Street Syndicate, Part 2. Do! Do, Dr. Series! <laughs> Have you been hiding in the corner this whole time? Maybe. The Sesame Street Syndicate was poised to become the most powerful organization in New York, but suddenly the two most powerful members began to butt heads about the future of the enterprise. Spelling, counting, strange educational cartoons about feelings, that was Big Bird's racket. 
but Elmo wanted to go bigger, riskier. Merchandising. Elmo wanted the syndicate to put all the infants into selling little toys of themselves. Christmas time comes around, he knew they'd make a killing, literally Elmo. Figuratively, uh, I'm not sure what either of those words mean, to be honest with you. Despite the early profits, Big Bird put a stop to the idea, not wanting to get the syndicate on the IRS's radar. Big Bird said goodbye to millions. Millions! After that, nobody wanted to follow that bird anymore. Sometimes Big Bird couldn't see the writing on the wall. He had to be told Elmo was making a move from his number one advisor, Kermit the Frog. So what are you telling me? What are you telling me, Kermit? I'm telling you. Watch Elmo. Watch Elmo. You see, Kermit was only a part-time member of their crew. He mostly ran with Fozzie, Piggy, and me. The Sesame Street Syndicate wanted their leadership to only be full-blooded members. No fraggles, no muppets, no weird dark crystal or labyrinth creatures. But Big Bird trusted Kermit's counsel, and Kermit was telling him, watch out for the kid. There's safety in middle management. Nobody really knows who you are, which means nobody wants to whack you. When you're a boss, you got a target painted on your back all the time. Someone's always trying to move up. I tried to let Bird know that. On December 12th, 1999, Elmo and Big Bird had what would be their final meeting together. It inevitably erupted into a shouting match in the middle of Sesame Street. Elmo don't think you're fit to lead anymore! You're losing it! I'm losing it? Yeah! No, I'm losing it? Birds seeing elephants that aren't even there! Snuffleupagus is a woolly mammoth and he's real, you little runt. Oh, bird calling runt! Nothing was the same after that fight. Elmo was out for blood. Or whatever's running through our veins felt. I, I don't know. To get Big Bird out of the way, Elmo enlists the help of one of the most feared people. Wait, we're still calling them people? Fine. Fear people on Sesame Street. Oscar the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch was dirty. No, no, seriously, he, he, lived, he lived in a fucking trash can. All those filthy jobs other button men would shy away from. Oscar relished in. Well, sometimes anger needs a helping hand. <laughs> now with the nastiest trigger man by his side, Elmo is ready to take out someone once thought to be untouchable, and ready to take over the syndicate. Tune in next time for part three. Jesus! Three! Three docu-series! Stop doing that! I think I bit my tongue! Is it bleeding? It took only five months before we went back to the Star Wars well. Thankfully, we had the help of the always great Jeanette Ward to deconstruct the ludicrous if you think about it plan Luke Skywalker had to save Han Solo. Well, Lando? He's there. Still frozen in carbonite. But he's there. Now what? Okay, I'll call in the rebel fleet. Jabba's just a gangster. We have an army. No, 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 Leia. I got a plan. Here's what we're going to do. R2, I'm going to give you my lightsaber. You and 3PO walk across the desert to Jabba's palace. Before you go, I'll record a message saying that I'm handing you both over to him as slaves. Don't tell 3PO. 
Leia, a day later, I want you to disguise yourself as a bounty hunter with a weird name. A, a weird name? A weird name. Like Garn or Tamtil or Boosh. Yeah, all right. I'll use uh, Tamtel. Nah, I'm already Tamtel. So what? Be someone else. What's the big deal? I've been disguised as Tamtel for months, your highness. I'll be damned if I have to commit to another character and throw away all the work I put in as Tamtel. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll be Bush. You can have Tamtel. Jeez, you get really possessive when it comes to disguises, Lando. What's your Bosch? Is it Bush or Bausch? Who cares? Take Chewbacca with you as your prisoner and turn him over to Jabba to collect the bounty on him. What? Get a good prize for him, too. Maybe even threaten to kill yourself, Chewie Han, and everybody else inside with a bomb if they lowball you. Why, why does the money matter? Later that night, when everyone's asleep, sneak over to Han and free him from the carbonite. Okay, got it. It's going to make a lot of noise when you do, so you'll be captured, you'll be put in a bikini, become a slave girl for Jabba, and be virtually silent for nearly the rest of your time here. Uh-huh, sure, right. Wait, what? The next morning, I'll arrive, get inside with some Jedi maneuvers, couple of force chokes, mind trick or two. Hold on. Force chokes? Isn't that leaning a little bit on the dark side? No, I've kind of been skating the gray area since I lost my hand, so just, just go with it. My first check is a little darker than gray, but whatever. Once I get into the throne room, I'll stand on a trap door, threaten to kill Jabba if he doesn't give me what I want, force grab a blaster, shoot at him, miss, and then be dropped down to his pet rancor. Wouldn't it just be easier if you walked in with your lightsaber instead of having R2 smuggle it in? I agree. If you're getting in with mind tricks, and force chokes, they're not gonna search for you. And if you're gonna overtly try and shoot Jabba, why not just overtly pull out your lightsaber and try to cut him to bits? What have I told you guys about trusting in the force? Now where was I? Rancor pit? That's right, Rancor pit. I'll kill the Rancor with the help of a bone, a rock, and a giant metal door, but then I'll be recaptured by Jabba's guards who are only a tenth the size of the beast I just killed. <laughs> You said it, Chewie. We'll all be taken to the Sarlacc pit on Jabba's sail barge. There, I'll walk the plank of the escort ship. R2, I'll give you a signal. Jump down, grab hold of the plank, leap back up, do a 630-degree somersault, land back on the escort ship, and catch my lightsaber, which you will shoot over to me, R2, simultaneously. Language, R2. Once I have my lightsaber, I'll kill all the guards pretty easily, including that fat guy everyone thinks is so cool. Maybe I'll leave him to Han. Either or, R2, you free Leia so she can kill Jabba. Wait, I kill Jabba? How? I don't know, improvise. You'll be chained to him at this point because you're a slave girl in a bikini that doesn't speak. Choke him to death with the chain or something. Choke him to death? He's a thousand pound slug with a throat the width of a sand crawler. I'm a 138 pound princess in a bikini of all things. I, I don't even think Chewie's strong enough to choke him to death. <laughs> Listen, why doesn't R2 just give me the lightsaber, I kill Jabba using that, and then throw it over to you? I'm sorry, I'm on such a roll here, I wasn't listening to a word you said. Anyways, after you kill Jabba, we blow up the sail barge, escape on the escort ship, head back here to the Falcon, and Owen's your uncle. We all got it? This is an odd Are you sure you don't want to just call in the fleet? There are a lot of them. spacecraft. A lot Several of moving regiments. Very sure risky. Jabba doesn't have this the resources to stand against an intergalactic to the military. Guys, guys. What have I told you? Uh, trust in the, in the force. force. That's right. Now get ready. I gotta go confer with the hermit ghost and the green troll creature that trained me in the Jedi arts.
So you actually kissed that guy? Ugh, don't remind me. Nothing much to this sketch. Just DJ Valentine and Jake Cluett reimagining how Christopher Nolan gets budgets for his films. Mainly with a lot of dramatic music and wordplay. Sir, your three o'clock is here. That's Nolan, right? Never met him before. I think he's gonna pitch me something today. You've never met Christopher Nolan before? No. What, does he get tired? He's a little intense. <sighs> Come on, how intense could he be? D just send him in. Hello, Mr. Nolan. I hear you have a new film for us. What you got? All I have for you is a word. Tent. Where is that music coming from? Do you have a boombox? Never mind. Uh, so this tenant thing, it, it's time travel? No. Inversion. Okay, so how wide a release do you think we can uh, get with this? Europe? Uh, Asia? Interstellar. That's rather optimistic. Um, why don't you just tell me how you came up with the idea? Inception. What a strange answer. Wow, I I'm sorry. How, how long have you been here? I suddenly feel exhausted, like I haven't slept in weeks. It's insomnia. Okay, Chris, you, you can stop now. I, I think this demonstration is done. Actually... It's Dunkirk. Look, look, my name's not Kirk. I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Are, are you doing this? Whatever this is? Oh my god, the table's on fire. The fire rises. You're not even trying now. Oh, oh, oh my god. I, I think I've gone blind. What do you do to me? I, I can't see. It's just a dark night. Oh god, tell me it's over. Tell me it's over. On the contrary, it begins. Why are you torturing me? Why? Who put you up to this? What's in it for you? What's in it for you? The prestige. Please stop. Please stop. I'll give you anything you want. Anything. Just tell me what you want. I want to give you what you want. Just tell me. Tell me what you want. A memento. That was intense, Chris. Uh, how does a $300 million budget sound, huh? $300 million. $350. Fine, fine, absolutely. I'm sure your fans will be very happy. Well, I do have a rabid following. No. No! No one ever thinks about the guy who has to record all those impossible mission briefings for Ethan Hunt. No one except miscast entertainment Greg Cafaro. IMF Mission Briefing March 2015 Fate whispers to the warrior A storm is coming And the warrior whispers back I am the storm Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Alexandra Kane, an immigrant from Tripoli, Greece, moved with her family to the United States in 1998. She was raised in Hoboken, New Jersey, and after high school, she attended Rutgers University. There, she studied chemical engineering and also joined the Glee Club. This is where we met. Wait, what? 
preferred henceforth by the pet name Lexi Cakes. Our love continued to blossom, and last week, she finally agreed to marry me. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to attend our wedding at St. Anthony's Church in Albany, New York on February 11th. Should you choose not to attend, Lexi Cakes and I will be disappointed, but cool with it. Hope to see you there, Ethan. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Okay, that was unexpected. IMF Mission Briefing, August 2016. Your wife's garden is full of weeds. Lucky for me, I have the shears. You should concentrate on her bush. I fucking hate that one. Good evening, Mr. Hunt. On September 5th, 2018, my wife and I entered into a lease agreement with the Pablo Vista Housing Group. The terms of our lease state that we are prohibited from having pets in our condo, which I didn't think would include my wife's five koi fish. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to help me move our 75-gallon fish tank out of my condo and possibly a love seat if we have the time. And no, there isn't an elevator. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. I knew I shouldn't have told them I had a pickup truck. April 2017. I'm telling you, Ethan. Lexi Cakes really thinks you and her cousin would hit it off. Sure, she's into Scientology, but... October 2018. Now, I know what you're going to call it, Ethan. A pyramid scheme. I'd call it an opportunity. December 2019. Who says guys can't come to a baby shower? IMF Mission Briefing, September 2020. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't there. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no- Just give me the fucking tape recorder. Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Yeah? Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is, I don't know, maybe come over and hang out? Order a pizza? Lexi Cakes and I had another fight. No, no, no. Mission unaccepted. I don't want any part of this. Uh, why not? Wait, this is the tape cassette. How are you responding to me? I've been sitting in a room for 40 years making tapes that communicate oddly specific instructions to secret agents across the globe. You think in that time I couldn't learn to predict literally every single response you had to anything I said? Um, uh, I guess I didn't. That's what Lexi Cakes doesn't understand. What I do is important. I'm like a god. The god. So what if her father could offer me a job selling insurance for a little more money? I am more than... That was rude, Ethan. I was right in the middle of... So, you coming over or what? Self-destruct. Self-destruct. Self-destruct! I got the new Call of Duty game! If you think about it, a lot of shit goes down in LA. Especially in the movies. It's gotta make traffic even more insane than it already is. Welcome back to Channel 10 News at 7. Before we go to Mike Mills and tell us how the Dodgers lost again last night... Hey! We go to Noah Pettigrew with our morning L.A. traffic report. 
Morning, Noah. How's it looking out there? Not good, Steve. We have a pretty big traffic jam by the Northridge Fashion Center, apparently caused by a police commandeered semi-truck crashing over to the LA River, supposedly in pursuit of a teenage boy on a dirt bike. My goodness. Is everyone okay? Well, the boy was saved by an Austrian biker, and the cop luckily emerged from the burning semi without a scratch. How is that possible? Turns out the officer was made out of some sort of liquid metal, so that's fortunate. I'd recommend giving yourself an extra 30 minutes if you don't want to be late to work. <laughs> Maybe it'd be safer taking the bus, huh, Noah? You'd be wrong there, Steve. The bus system is in a bit of a dizzy after someone rigged one to explode this morning if it didn't maintain a speed of over 50 miles per hour. Sound like you said explode. I did. The bus is so desperate to maintain that speed, understandably so, it's preparing to jump a gap in the unfinished 105 freeway. So I'd keep clear of that area as well. Noah, your tone of voice is making it really hard for me to tell if you're joking or not. And they made it! There's cheering and clapping, and now people on the nearby 405 have broken out into an elaborate dance routine. It's unclear if it is related to the bus making a jump or just a flowery introduction to a love story between a jazz musician and a struggling actress. But with all those people out of their cars, gridlock is a given. Well, is there anything more you can tell us? Does the couple stay together? Or is it one of those... Weird, ambiguous endings that symbolizes them growing more when they were apart than when they were together. But still not regretting that brief moment in their lives when they were in love. I'd like to tell you more, Steve, but several alien spacecraft have suddenly descended down on the Los Angeles area and are ready for battle. They seem to have mistaken our chopper for a hostile threat and are now firing on us. We are mere seconds from our now inevitable demise. This is no petty group. Channel 7 traffic. Back to you, Steve. Wow. Well... Let's check in with Mike Milson with sports. Uh, well, the Dodgers lost. In one of the most famous scenes from Jaws, there has always been a lot of mystery surrounding the scar Chief Brody had on his stomach that he chose not to tell Quint and Hooper about. A lot of mystery until now. Three hours later, the big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. No, that was the time I was the most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, 1,100 men went in the water, 316 men come out, the sharks took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. What was that little mosquito bite you had on your abdomen there, Chief? I got your appendix taken out by a blind surgeon. Kinda. It's a bullet wound. Bullet hit my appendix, so it did have to be removed. Along with my spleen. And a couple of inches of intestine. Jesus. What happened? You guys already know how I transferred from the city. How many years did you serve? One. One case, actually. Didn't have the stomach for it? Whoops. <laughs> that's that's my bad. What, what I meant to say was... Uba. Shut it. Well, when you're a rookie, every crap case is sent your way. While some others were don't-touch detectives only, I was out to prove myself by tracking down one of those cases. In particular, a serial killer named Minx. Jacob Minx. Used to like having old ladies for dinner. But I didn't figure that for a crime there, Chief. No, I mean, like, eating them. Oh. Well, shit. My partner, Charlie... Got a line on him at this abandoned apartment complex downtown. Stormed in there without even calling for backup. Charlie didn't even knock on the door, he just kicked it in. What he didn't figure on was Manx booby-trapping the door with a sawed-off shotgun. 
Ooh, was was Charlie hurt? Hurt? No. Oh, thank God. He died instantly. Check that. There apparently is no God. The blast didn't really blow Charlie's head off, more like it blew it in? Kinda like punching a flat basketball, you know? Sweet Mary and Joseph. Where's that chum bucket? Uh, That sawed-off shotgun and Charlie's twitching, squirting corpse certainly got Manx's attention. We exchanged gunfire in the living room. I got him in the lung and he got me right here. (sighs) We just lay there, bleeding and screaming until the cops arrive. You're a Navy man, Quint. This shit's probably old hat to you. I I just swabbed the poop deck there, Chief. Uh, Homicide's a bit out of my jurisdiction. Homicide's, actually. Well, I was in the hospital getting pieces ripped out of me. They found seven rotting bodies under his floorboards. Please stop. And one hit in the oven. Half cooked and marinated. <laughs> anyway, he swallowed his own tongue in jail, and I moved out here to Amity with the family. And now here I am with you fellas catching a shark. Anyone got that beat? No, no. Me and Hoop will drink to our legs, and you can drink to that psychologically damaging bullet wound you got there, Chief. Ha I win! That's how this game works, right? You win. Just, just stop this. Just stop describing things. DJ Valentine's favorite comic book villain has always been Doctor Doom. However, he suddenly realized he never questioned what Doom was a doctor of. And that's how easy it is for us to come up with a sketch. The doctor will be with you in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning. Holy shit, you're Doctor Doom. Yes. I am Doom. What are you doing here? Well, Doom is here to fill your third and fourth bicuspid herald. Wait, so you're telling me not only is the doctor in your name legit, but that it's for dentistry? And optometry, but that's only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wow, I figured it was one of those honorary doctorates they give people like Yoko Ono or Bill Cosby. Doom does not accept ceremonial titles. Doctor Before we begin the extraction, Martin, would you like gas or a local anesthetic? Yeah, no, I think I can handle a little anesthetic. Excellent. This might pinch a bit. You know, on second thought, Doctor, let's uh, go with the gas. Uh, the gas. Gas! Doctor Stop crying about your new braces, Timmy. Accept your new facial disfigurements as Doom did. Only those as grotesquely maimed as we are can gain the strength and drive needed to harness the ultimate power and rule the world. Now get yourself a lollipop on your way out. They're sugar free. <laughs> Dr. Doom did it! Hold still, Jim. Squirming only makes this root canal more difficult. I'm trying, but... It's a little hard when your terrifying mask is so close to my face and the glows on your hands are made of a rather sharp, indestructible metal. Oh. Dr. Doom Do you know what happens if you don't floss, Mary? I know, I know. My teeth will fall out. No. Doom gets angry that you defied his wishes. Doom then comes to your home, blasted to atoms, and imprisons you in a Doomstock dungeon for the rest of your life. In which time, the inevitable malnutrition and never-ending torture will then cause your teeth to fall out. So fucking floss! Dr. Doom did it! 
but stern but fair leader and most respected orthodontist. Here at the Smile Center, we specialize in um, mostly pain-free dentistry, proudly serving all citizens in the greater Latvian area, Mondays through Saturdays. Sunday we're closed because that is the day Doom plots to destroy the wretched Reed Richards in this pathetic Fantastic Four. And for a limited time, we are providing discounted rates on caps and fillings. So come down to the Smile Center with the only dentists in town. Because Doom has made it that way. Matthew, Justin, and DJ each have a favorite bad impression they do. Valentine's is Skeletor. This was the first time he got to use it in a sketch for the show. And other than Greg Cafaro's cameo as Man at Arms, Valentine does every voice in this sketch. Yeah, he's as vain a prick as you think. What are you gonna do, Man at Arms? We're due! Not if I have anything to say about it, Orko. Thank the stars, it's He-Man! What seems to be the problem? A mysterious legion has amassed down the drawbridge of Castle Grayskull. You two wait up here. I'll take care of it. Uh, you could have just taken the stairs. Oh, fuck it. Go no further. Castle Grayskull is under the protection of He-Man. Now remove your cloak, stranger, and tell me your name. It is I, Skeletor. Rightful ruler of Italia. Ah, ah, what? What? What is it? You're... You're a skeleton. I thought that was clear when I said my name was Skeletor. Right. So you were born with that name. Well, my name was Keldor, but after I was inflicted with this particular disfigurement, I chose Skeletor. Uh-huh. You don't think the name's a little on the nose? It's more apropos than on the nose. You know what? I'm not taking Monica advice from a guy calling himself He-Man. Fair point. Anyway, my minions and I seek to capture the power of Grayskull and- One second. Uh, how are you doing that? Doing what? Talking without a tongue or forming words without a brain. I mean, you have a muscular body, not as muscular as mine, but a skull for a head. How do you work exactly? I really need you to get over this. Sorry, sorry. Continue. <sighs> With the power of Grayskull in my grasp, there will be nothing to stop me from- I really hate to interrupt again, but where are you looking right now? It's just hard to maintain eye contact when you don't have any, um, eyes. I I'm looking at you, you don't! This is not that difficult! Come on, you guys don't find it tough to look at this freak? Are you kidding? I'm a furry red monster and I have trouble looking him in the sockets. Shut your gob, beast man, before I turn you into a throw rug! Can you all just let me get through this? I work really hard on this speech! Sorry, Skeletor. Floor's yours. I will crush King Randor and take my rightful place on the- uh are you trying not to throw up in your own mouth? No, not at all. That's it. I quit. My presence is supposed to strike fear in my enemies, not nausea or confusion. Keep Grayskull for yourself, you steroid-using moron. 
So, the rest of you guys want to hang out or grab a bite or something? Mm, I could eat. Here, we shine a light on a flaw in the Transformers cartoon that has always bothered us. Considering the films that followed, this little issue we're pointing out here is tame. There's no doubt about it, Prime. The Decepticons are here. Then our war has come to Earth. We cannot let the humans get involved in this. While we fight, we must be robots in disguise. So what should we be, Prime? A battleship or a Black Hawk helicopter, maybe? Well, I was going to take the form of that Red Mac truck over there. Yeah, you sure that's a good idea, Prime? You'd be a pretty big moving target. Yeah, we shouldn't be so big that the Decepticons could hit us with their optics closed. Right. Bumblebee, you should transform into that bright yellow hippie mobile. What? You gotta be kidding me! Like, 90% of the Decepticons are fighter jets, tanks, or both. Shouldn't at least one of us take the form of something tactical, stealthy, even? No, no, I get it. Perceptor. Electron microscope. Um, come again? The Decepticons will never see you coming. How are we gonna stop Megatron with a microscope? Prime, you always do this. You know, Metroplex still suffers from depression since you made him be a building. We live inside of him. That shit's sick. All these forms you're picking for us ain't useful, Prime. Useful? You're right. Ironhide. Minivan. Oh, come on. Blaster, you will be the most important soldier we have in this battle. Communications. Oh, no. I already see where this is going. Which means you will be a boombox. We're dead. We're all dead. All right, Autobots. Transform and roll out. Half of us can't even do that. Because we're glorified paperweights. What news, Starscream? Is Prime and the Autobots finally planning their counterattack? Yes, mighty Megatron. But they seem to have decided to do it in the form of small recreational vehicles. Really? Well, mostly. Some have decided to be stationary objects like cities or a microscope. You're joking, Starscream. Optimus Prime chose the most formidable form as a beat-up semi-truck. That's the best he could come up with? I mean, I picked a gun. I have a giant bazooka on my arm. Are you, are you sure he was a truck? Oh, I swear to Alpha Sigma Megatron. Well, I guess we go and destroy them then. Decepticons, let's go. This almost seems unfair. Alec Baldwin's speech in Glengarry Glen Ross. How do you top one of the greatest monologues in cinematic history? Well, for Halloween, we added horror legends to it. Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about... Bitching about that kill you botch some son of a bitch who don't want to buy the house you're haunting. Somebody who's impossible to scare, some broad you're trying to terrorize, so forth. Let's talk about something important. You all here, Carpenter? All but Voorhees, Mr. Kruger. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. 
Put that co-ed down! Co-eds are for killers only. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from King and Craven. And I'm on a mission of mercy! Your name's Leatherface? Yeah. You call yourself a slasher, you son of a bitch? I don't gotta listen to this shit. You certainly don't, Chucky, because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you got all you got one night to regain your job, starting with tonight, starting with Halloween night. Oh, have I got your attention now? You got victims. King and Craven provided you good victims. You can't kill the victims you're given. You can't kill shit. You are shit! Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it because you are going out! The victims are weak. The victims are weak? Fucking victims are weak? You're weak. I've been in this business 36 years. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! You know why, mister? Because you drove a play school big wheel to get here tonight, and I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. A, B, K. A, always, B, B, K, killing. Always be killing. Always be killing. Get out there! You got victims coming in, you think they're visiting graveyards and abandoned campsites because they like the view? A victim doesn't split up from their group unless he wants to get killed. They're sitting out there waiting to give you their lives. Are you gonna take it? Are you scary enough to take it? <laughs> What's the problem, pal? You, Chucky. You're such a slasher. You're so rich. How come you're coming down here wasting time with a bunch of bums? You see this sweater? Yeah? You see this sweater? Yeah? This sweater costs more than your entire film franchise. I killed 970,000 people last year. How much you kill? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. Nice catchphrase? I don't give a shit. Good gimmick? Fuck you! Go home and change your batteries. You wanna work here? Kill! I can go out tonight with the victims you've got and kill 15,000 people. Tonight! In two hours! Can you? Can you? Get mad, you son of a bitch! Just get mad! You know what it takes to be a slasher? Brass balls. And some kind of horrible facial disfigurement. You see these? These are the Glengarry victims. And to you, they're gold, and you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you would be like throwing them away. They're for killers. And to answer your question, pal, why am I here? I came here because King and Craven asked me for a favor. I said the real favor, follow my advice and fire your fucking ass because a loser is a loser. I'd wish you good luck, gentlemen, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. You had a pair of brass balls and a briefcase, right? No, no, yeah, I, I saw that. It ever bother you how much the villain from Scream knows about movies? Well, it bothered us. Hello? Well, hello, Sydney. Look, whoever you are, first off, my name's not Sydney. Secondly, you better stop calling here. I've already called the cops. They're gonna come here. They're gonna track you down and- Do you want to die, Sydney? No. Then answer my questions or I'll cut you like a fish. What do you want? Just to get to know you better. 
Um, okay. What's your favorite scary movie? Scary movie? I don't know. Sounds of the Lambs? Oh yeah, wait, that that's not a scary movie. I'd say it's a thriller at best. Well, not to correct you, Mr. Scary Voice, but that depends on your definition for a scary movie. There's only one definition for a scary movie, Sydney. Again, not Sydney. And I'm pretty sure there is no singular definition for a scary movie. It's all kind of subjective. Of course there is. It's a movie where some freak is slicing and dicing a bunch of business and co-ed, spilling blood and guts and causing death and mayhem. Literally everything you just said happens in Sounds of the Lambs. Pick another one! Fine, fine. Scary Movie 3. You're not taking this seriously. Who cares, man? Film is subjective. What I think is a scary film might be different from what you think is a scary film. Scary Movie 3 isn't a film. It certainly isn't a scary movie. The uh, title says otherwise. It's a parody. It's a comedy. It's not even the first film in a franchise. The fucking thing has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Was that critics consensus or audience score? It doesn't fucking matter. Scary Movie can't be your favorite scary movie because it isn't fucking scary. Some of those bad jokes are pretty scary. That's not the same thing, Paul. Wait, is that you, Gus? Uh, I gotta go. We always like writing Batman sketches for Batman superfan Justin Polizzi. We also like writing lines in those sketches so ridiculous, it's hard for Justin to stay in character. Bruce, there's somebody you must meet. Now, am I pronouncing this right? Mr. Raz Al Ghul? You're not Raz Al Ghul. I watched him die. But is Raz Al Ghul immortal? Are his methods supernatural? Or cheap parlor tricks to conceal your true identity, Roz. Surely a man who spends his nights scrambling over the rooftops of Gotham wouldn't begrudge me dual identities. I saved your life. I warned you about compassion, Bruce. Your quarrel's with me. You let these people go. You're welcome to explain the situation to them. Everyone, everyone, I, uh, well, thank you all for coming tonight and drinking all my booze. <laughs> no, really, the thing about being a Wayne is that you're never really short of a few freeloaders like yourselves to fill up your mansion with, so, uh, thank you. <laughs> Nothing? Really? Okay. I uh, only invited you people here because it's my birthday, and Alfred said I couldn't have hookers over again this year. I don't even know half of your names. Except for you. You're Rick, right? It's Steve. Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. That's right. I slept with your wife. Right over there, actually. Last year, on my birthday. Not because she was a hooker. Just very slutty. And flexible. Good for you. Seriously? Okay, fine. Every time I have a party, I make it a point to stick my dick inside every glass of champagne we serve. Which means most of you guys are gonna need some penicillin. With the track record of women I've slept with, Rick knows what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it's Steve. God damn it. Look, 
I want you all to get out of my house. Because if you don't, I'm going to burn it down. Hey, I like a good bonfire. I've got marshmallows. Shut up, Steve. That's it. Fuck it. I, I am Batman. That's right. The guy over there with the cane is an environmental terrorist named Ra's al Ghul. He's going to try and kill me for blowing up his secret ninja school in Tibet and then send Gotham City into chaos with the help of a giant microwave and fear gas made from flowers. Uh, yeah, is it pronounced Raz or Raish? Depends on the director. You know what? I Fuck it. I, everyone, I voted for Trump. That's right. Go up with him every Sunday. The exit is that way in your left. All right, Roz. Let's get down to it. Wait, you actually voted for Donald Trump? I, I, I mean, he made some good points during the debates. And you call me a terrorist. Hurry up with the popcorn, Holly. The show's about to start. We interrupt this special episode of The Great Ghost with a breaking news story. What? Billionaire Playboy Bruce Wayne revealed at his birthday bash tonight that he is actually a Trump supporter. Wayne Enterprises' stock immediately dropped 100 points and financial analysts say that the freefall may not stop there. Bruce Wayne voted for Trump? Why is the Batman focused on me? You should go after that guy. <laughs> who doesn't like a good old-fashioned attack ad? Walter Vinci. That's who. All right, Julie, let's uh, take it from the top. You got it. Valentine! Hey, Walt. Hey, look, Julie, it's a uh, first-time watcher's own Walter Vinci. Don't give me that crap. Wait, but what's the matter? I ever heard your little skit you recorded earlier? We kind of prefer the term sketches, merely for artistic integrity purposes. Skit sounds too close to shit, so... Shut up! Seriously, Walt, I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about. Perhaps you made a mistake, or... Julie? Julie? Play the skit I heard earlier. Julie, don't... Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. First Time Watchers Podcast. First Time Watchers Podcast. The First Time Watchers Podcast is lying to you. Tim, Walt, and Hermano say they only review films they've seen for the first time. But is that really true? What if I told you they've never watched a movie they've reviewed? What if I told you they make it up as they go along, from trailers and plot synopsis on IMDb? Fake news. Or is it fake reviews? The only thing Tim Costa really watches is In Session Films Brendan Cassidy with binoculars outside his bedroom window. Is that the podcast you want to listen to? The First Time Watchers Podcast. Lying to you. Lying to America. Paid for by the five patrons of the Simplistic Reviews Podcast. Seriously, dude. What the fuck? I know. I know. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. It's election season. I thought it'd be a funny idea if we ran a faux campaign attack ad where I made a bunch of shit up about you guys. Well, not, not everything. Wait, what? You know that, uh, that shit about Tim watching Cassidy? It's totally true. Oh. Oh. 
DJ Valentine's irrational hatred of the film Home Alone, finally led to him writing a sketch that roasts the little pit squeak. Come in. Thanks for coming in, Mr. and Mrs. McAllister. Take a seat. It's no problem, Detective. Like we tried to explain to the social worker, we, we have a lot of kids. And because we were rushing to catch a flight, and it was just an honest mix-up between Kevin and the neighbor's boy when we were doing headcounts, it was mainly because we forgot we punished Kevin by locking him in the attic the night before. Well, there's a whole bunch wrong with that, but that's not why I called you in today. As you know, there were several break-ins on your block, including your home, by two burglars. Yeah, yeah. We heard they were called by old man Marley. Surprise to us, since... We always thought the guy was a serial killer. <laughs> yes, the burglars were ultimately subdued by Mr. Marley. However, they were delayed from escaping and severely injured by your son. Severely injured? By Kevin? What do you mean? To prevent the two burglars, the wet bandits I believe they're called, from entering the premises, Kevin appears to have set up an array of intricate and extremely deadly booby traps throughout your home. Booby traps? Yes. <laughs> like what? Uh, chewing gum on the door handle? <laughs> Actually, it was an electric barbecue grill starter on the door handle. The knob burned one of the victim's hands straight through to the bone. Victim? Our son is the victim. These guys were thieves. You're not getting it. Your son purposefully heated that doorknob to maim someone. He rigged a light switch to drop a hot iron down onto them through a ventilation shaft. He used broken glass and nails to make improvised foot traps. Full paint cans and pipes used to make swinging neck breakers, trip wires, deadly spiders, boiling oil. Oh, there, there must be some mistake. Our son is eight. He rigged a door with a blowtorch. A fucking blowtorch. And I haven't even started with what he did with the pellet gun. But, but he was scared. He was trying to stop them. He didn't just try to stop them, Mrs. McAllister. He... He tortured those men. Took them apart physically and psychologically. I did two tours in Afghanistan. The sheer... Brutality those men suffered rivals anything I saw over there. But these these bandits broke into our home and you're questioning us? Why aren't you questioning them, huh? Why aren't you questioning them? I can't question them anymore. Why not? They were pronounced dead an hour ago. Died of their injuries. You you can't you can't know that that Enough, Kate, let's cut the shit. Peter! Come on, honey. The kid's a monster. He knows it. We know it. You think he's bad now? <laughs> you should have seen him six years ago. The terrible twos. Usually didn't involve multiple trips to the emergency room. He hit Kate in the face with a hammer one day. For fun! Stabbed me in the knee with a meat thermometer on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. And I'm not even religious. We've... We've had so many pets. So many pets we've had to bury. The ones that he'd let us find, anyway. The boy isn't right. 
You could see it when you look into his eyes. Those cold, dead eyes. He's got the devil in him. He's got the devil in him. Well, I'm seeing here that there's no actual cutoff age for adoption, so... Yes, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Oh, absolutely. Our final sketch of the year is a celebration in the rejuvenation the Mandalorian has given the world of Star Wars. And an excuse to hear Justin do his Al Pacino impression. You think you know everything about the Mandalorian? I bet you didn't know. The very first Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe appeared during Christmas on the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's why, on December 25th, Lucasfilm and Disney Plus present to you The Mandalorian Holiday Special with Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, Gina Carano, and as petty thief Flynn Merkin, Harvey Firestein. I could take you in warm, or I could take you in cold. Take me in. Oh, warm. Definitely warm, big boy. The Mandalorian Holiday Special. With Giancarlo Esposito, Taika Waititi, James Corden, Jane Lynch, The Bachelorette's own Claire Crawley, and as Grand Moff Liddell, Jeff Goldblum. Imperials. I hate Imperials. Ah, Mando. Mando, Mando, Mando. What an interesting name. I'm Grand Moff Lydell. Yes, yes, yes. Moff is an interesting name, too. Did you know Moffs and Grand Moffs share slightly different uh, responsibilities? Yes. Uh, Moff is a regional, regional, regional governor where a uh, Grand, uh, Grand Moff Grand Moff, uh, 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 Can we just fight already? Celebrate Life Day with a Mandalorian holiday special with Ava Goda, Don Rickles, Tim Conway, Dick Van Dyke, and as Cantina owner Fran Glumpkin, Carol Burnett. I hear you have a job for me. Yeah, the huts were over last night. The place is a mess. Do dust? Where, where is that laughing coming from? Now I know what you're wondering. Aren't some of these guest stars dead? You're right. But they're all brought back to life with the magic of Disney. And CGI. The Mandalorian Holiday Special. With Donald Glover, Dave Bautista, and as Sith Assassin Droid IG-66, Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't share bounties, especially with a droid. Beep, beep, boop, beep. Chuck, hold on. Are you kidding me? This is the actual dialogue? Really? I'm an Oscar-nominated actor. I've, I've won an Emmy. I, I, I was given the Laurence Olivier Award for playing Frankenstein at the National Theatre. How much can people pay me for this crap again? Seriously? <clears throat> Let's, um, take it from the top. The Mandalorian Holiday Special with Emily Blunt, Jude Law, musical guest Betty Wap, and for the first time, Baby Yoda Speaks. 
with the vocal talents of special guest Al Pacino. Who's gonna save you now, Mando? Fat little green rat? Oh yeah, oh no, 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 no. Size matters not. Judge me by my size, do you? Listen, you little womp rat. You don't want to get me angry. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. The Mandalorian Holiday Special. It's the best present you can receive this side of the galaxy. Right, George? Oh, no. You geeks can't blame me for this one. This has been the Simplistic Reviews Podcast here in review. No matter how silly and ridiculous our sketches are, a lot of hard work goes into them by a lot of people who do it, mainly to entertain you. And partly because we have accumulated a lot of blackmail material on these guys. Jake Lewitt, for example, robbed a jewelry store in 2010. Jeanette Ward, cheated on her taxes and her SATs. Walter Vinci has faked his death twice to get out of debt. Greg Cafaro? Cafaro straight up killed a guy. We don't know why but he did it. We got pictures of all this stuff. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Steve Todd and Nicholas? Those guys all voted for Kanye. Yeah. I couldn't believe it either.